0: One love, one heart. Let us get together. It's такая весна
1: voice. No, it's a voice. No,
2: Ukraine, Get them. You see Ukraine over there? Apparently, they don't play in Ukraine. They got farmers out there. They'll confront you with a shovel. They don't care. They'll bust you in the head with a shovel. You come to their country. The, what about, what about, be, President Zelensky will fight you anywhere. We'll fight you on the land. We'll fight you on the shores. Listen to this guy. Comes out. I'm here. You don't have to look to find me. I'm right here. I don't know if Putin made a mistake or not, but I sure hope he did. Let's listen. Let's listen. Let's get together to fight this whole... Let's listen to Bob. Preach, Bob. Preach. On
0: those whose chances grow thinner, there ain't no hiding place from the Father of creation. Say.
2: Yep, they are giving Putin, it would appear, everything he can handle over there in Ukraine. And I remain hopefully optimistic, hopefully optimistic that what the media is reporting is accurate and the Russian army is struggling. And I have some things to say about the Russian army. Maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I won't. But just briefly, did they know what they were going to do? Were they sold a bill of goods by Putin? I don't know. And should we be as angry at the Russian army and the Russian people for that matter? I don't know. But in any case, the Ukrainians are giving them all they can handle. Did you see that one clip of the Russian soldier in the city? He went into the city apparently to give some terms and he was armed. The people weren't. The people in Ukraine, the Ukrainian citizens, they weren't armed with anything but foul language. And they ran that guy out of there. That guy, the Russian soldier who was armed, he looked scared to death. He couldn't get out of that city fast enough. He was, he, had, he was carrying two grenades as protection to get him out of there. So they are not messing around. But the invasion continues. And I guess I should be sure to call it an invasion and not a war. Call it a Ukrainian-Russian war, the Russian-Ukrainian war. But it's it's an invasion. In a war... You think, well, there were two sides they had disagreements and they went to war over it, but that wasn't the case. It was just a flat out invasion by Russia. Ukraine wasn't threatening Russia in any way. It was just an invasion. So we should call it that, not a war so much. I know it's semantics, but still. So Putin recently, it's March 8th, by the way, 2022. Putin recently has put out his list of demands, quote unquote, what he wants in order to stop the invasion. Let's see here. They include Ukraine must recognize Crimea as Russian. That's that little peninsula that Russia took back in 2014, I think it was, part of Ukraine. Russia took it just because they wanted it. Number two, Ukraine must recognize Russian-controlled separatist region as independent. Number three, Ukraine must change its constitution to formally renounce its ambitions to join NATO and the EU. So that's what Vladimir Putin is saying. The demands, Ukraine, you must meet in order for me to stop this invasion. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, says, we ain't doing none of that. We ain't doing none of that. So we'll see how that all plays out. And people say, well, Putin has backed off of demands. He's come down. Before it was total capitulation. He wanted total capitulation and surrender. And Zelensky had to go in order for him to not invade or stop the invasion. So they're saying that Putin is giving some on his side. You know how I feel about that. I have said from the beginning Putin is not negotiating. I gave you my diehard analogy. The longer things go on, the more my diehard analogy holds up. I'm going to pat myself on the back. My diehard analogy holds up perfectly. Putin is not negotiating. He's not bargaining because he doesn't have anything that he really is interested in other than Ukraine. He wants Ukraine. So any other negotiations, any other bargaining, it's just pretend in order to buy him time to continue to take more and more pieces of that country. There is no real negotiating going on. Just like when the criminals seized Nakatomi Towers, Nakatomi Plaza, whatever the heck it was, in the movie Die Hard, and everybody thought they were terrorists looking to negotiate. But what did the woman call them? You're just common criminals. You're just common criminals. That's what Putin is. He's just a a common criminal looking to steal a country. He's not negotiating. And Zelensky, to his credit, says, Ukraine ain't negotiating. You know, I might have to go to Ukraine when this is all over. I might have to visit Ukraine, meet these people. I tell you, apparently, Zelensky has had three assassination attempts. You know, he came out the other day, I was yesterday, came out of where he was, which is in essence letting everyone know where he is when he comes out onto the street and says, hey, here I am. I'm not hiding. I'm right here. Woo, I'll tell you what. I don't know if I'd do that. And in the beginning of the invasion, he was offered a chance to get out of the country. They say, hey, let's, let's get you out of the country, keep you safe. And his quote was, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. Give me ammo. Give me ammo. Let's fight. Mm. I have to say, it kind of reminds me of some politicians in this country who love to do commercials, holding their guns, and they love to talk tough. But when the poop hits the fan, I have a feeling some of them would be on the first plane out. So Zelensky certainly does appear to be putting his money where his mouth is. He said, every man old enough to fight, stay and fight. I'm not leaving. You shouldn't leave either. So give him credit for that. He's putting his money where his mouth is, putting his mouth where his body. Well, you know what I mean? He's backing it up. He's backing up his words. He tell, He's telling you stay and fight, but he's staying and fighting also. He's willing to fight also. Give the guy a lot of credit, a lot of credit. But As I say, I don't know how this is all going to play out. I don't want to paint too optimistic a picture. I don't think anyone should paint too optimistic a picture, particularly in the media. I worry it will put more civilian lives at risk, either because Putin sees it as a challenge to take the cities faster, meaning more indiscriminate bombing. You know, I mean, we'd all love to see Putin get his butt handed to him. That would just be incredible. But. I don't know whether or not Putin's strategy is to win a war of attrition, to continue taking small parts of the country, cutting people off from supplies, cutting people off from electricity from food and water, and winning a war of attrition. so while in the media they keep talking about oh well, Putin should have taken Kiev in two days and three days here we are at 12 days at 13 days I, I don't know I don't know if they should be doing so much of that. I don't want anyone pushing Putin, the madman, to try and move faster. I don't want anyone egging Putin on to try and move faster. I don't think that's a good idea. Credit where credit is due to Ukrainian people, to the Ukrainian military, to Zelensky. Credit to them for fighting hard. But let's be careful. Let's not give Putin a reason to use more cluster bombs, which is a terroristic weapon. No ifs or buts about it. Using cluster bombs on civilians is terrorism. Let's not give Putin a reason to try out some tactical nukes, nuclear weapons that aren't like the most powerful nuclear weapons. The are more tactical nuclear weapons, less fallout, less messy. Let's not give him a reason to try and use those. Now, should there be a no-fly zone? That's the big question. Should there be a no-fly zone? Zelensky would like to have a no-fly zone. Would it save lives? No question. No question. It would absolutely save lives. Who enforces it? NATO does, of course. So now we're possibly putting NATO forces in direct conflict with Putin. NATO and possibly U.S. forces in direct conflict with Putin in the air. And Putin has made obligatory threats. If you get involved, you ain't seen nothing yet. He he said all that. Don't get involved or else. So is that something we are willing to risk, putting forces from NATO, U.S. forces in direct conflict with Putin and his military? I don't know. Something to think about, something you got to think hard and long about. Now, I was not aware Ukraine had nuclear weapons at one time. Is that how it was when they were part of Russia? There were nuclear warheads on Ukrainian soil. I don't know if they just gave them up and dismantled them or if they gave them back to Russia. I wasn't clear on how that all played out. But in any case, when Ukraine became independent, the world community, of course, wanted to get rid of nuclear weapons, non-proliferation. And so Ukraine, in keeping with safety and non-proliferation of nuclear weapons, gave up those nuclear weapons. In other words, they did what the world community asked them to do. And I think Zelensky and Ukraine sees it as hey, now we're asking you to do what we need you to do to keep us safe, to help keep us safe. You know, we could have been using those nuclear weapons right now, not using them as in using them, but we could have, they would come in handy to have a couple of nuclear weapons right now to protect ourselves, but we don't. And so it'd be nice if you do a little more here to help keep us safe. So I see the argument. I see the argument from both sides. As you know, I always try to look at it from both sides. It's a risky thing putting up a no fly zone, but at the same time, doesn't Ukraine deserve all the help the world can give it? Especially if when they gave up those nuclear weapons, they were promised, and eh, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll protect you. You don't need those nuclear weapons for protection. We'll protect you. If the time comes where you need protecting, we'll protect you. If they were told that by the European community, by NATO, by the US, mm, yeah, it gets a little dicey. I don't know if they were or not, but if they were, it gets a little dicey. People keep saying Putin's crazy, Putin is a madman. So I don't know if what you want to do with a crazed madman is escalate things. So the no fly zone is an incredibly tough decision. But what seems to be an easy decision for some people, based on what I see online, hear on radio shows, and hear from Senator Lindsey Graham, what seems to be the easy decision is, well, we need to just take Putin out. Putin's got to go. Putin's got to go. We got to take Putin out. Let's listen to what Lindsey Graham said. You need to take this guy out by any means uh, possible. Is there Brutus in Russia? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. Thank you, Lindsey Graham. Thanks a lot. So now, if Vladimir Putin slips on a banana peel and busts his head open, if he falls out a window, if he chokes on his borscht, they're going to say we did it. They're going to say America did it. You just don't go around saying things like that, Lindsey Graham. Of course, everyone thinks Vladimir Putin needs to get taken out. Of course, there are a lot of people in the world who would like to see Vladimir Putin get taken out, but you just can't go around saying it. I can. I can say it, but you can't, Lindsey Graham. You're a United States senator. If Vladimir Putin has a heart attack tomorrow, everyone's going to say, well, I guess America took him out. What an idiot. And everyone says the obvious reason also why you have to worry about Vladimir Putin just being taken out. And that is who takes his place, who steps up to take his place. Could be someone worse. That's the obvious answer to why that might not be the best course of action. But I have another one, another answer. And I don't know if anyone has said this yet. You know, sometimes you think you have an original thought because you haven't heard it. And then maybe someone else said it. But I truly haven't heard anyone come up with a suggestion that you just can't take Putin out. Because what if he has a built in dead man switch? so to speak. You follow what I'm saying? If history has taught us anything, it should have taught us that evil men tend to surround themselves with other evil men, other crazy, maniacal, want to take over the world, evil men. So how do we know that Vladimir Putin does not have an agreement with someone around him, someone loyal to him? Hey, if anything happens to me, anything happens to me, launch the missiles, launch the nuclear missiles. If anything happens, all it takes is one, one rogue nuclear submarine, one rogue missile silo, and you've started Armageddon. So we don't know if someone around Putin is just waiting for the go-ahead if Putin appears to be losing his grip on power or if he's quote-unquote taken out. You think about that guy, Lavrov? Is that his name? Who's a foreign minister or something? Lavrov? You take a look at that guy. That guy just looks like he's murdered a prostitute or two in his day. Come on now. Come on. So that's my big concern. Evil men surrounded by other evil men. No telling what they'll do on the way out the door, whether it's, again, being taken out or being removed from power. To me, that's a madman's way of thinking. And like I say, You keep calling Putin a madman, you better start thinking and treating him like a madman and think about that consideration. Lindsey Graham, this problem may take just a little more intellectual consideration than, hey, why don't we just kill him? So then are we right back where we started? What do we do? Will sanctions on Putin and those loyal to him have any real effect on how he plays his hand going forward? Let's listen to this clip from The Washington Post on March 2nd. The sanctions on Russia explained.
0: We will
1: limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds and yen. The sanctions against the Central Bank of Russia, which were enacted on Monday morning, um, are probably the single largest sanctions action in modern history. The Central Bank of Russia has about six hundred and thirty billion dollars of assets. And at the stroke of a pen, the United States, Europe and other G7 allies um, immobilized those assets. They made them impossible, really for the Russian government to deploy them to stabilize the ruble. Uh, so sanctions have escalated dramatically in just um, about eight days, and the consequences on Russia's um, economy are already um, quite stunning. You know, The ruble is, has really collapsed. Um, we've also seen really manifestations at the micro level of the beginnings of bank runs, financial panic, ATM lines um, around the street, um, Russians uh, really seeking to do whatever they possibly can Uh, to uh, get their hands on foreign currency, and banks really running out of that currency. The writing, I think, is on the wall. I think this is going to be a mammoth financial crisis in Russia, um, really only paralleled by the financial crisis in the 90s that brought Putin to power originally. The one weapon that Russia potentially could wield that would have an effect on global markets in the West would be to cut off oil and gas sales. So that is definitely something that um, we should be looking out for. The thing I would say, though, is that cutting off oil and gas sales would be just as bad, if not worse, for Russia than it would be for the West. These sanctions are not just affecting the man in the street. They're affecting everyone. Um, When you are living in Russia and your currency is tanking, um, no matter who you are, you are going to be affected by these sanctions.
2: So in that clip, you see long lines of people at ATMs in Russia trying to get their money out because they fear Putin will shut down the banks. You see people in the streets Protesting against Putin and the war, it's fair to say the invasion is not very popular in Russia to begin with, and will only get less popular as people in Russia feel the effects of the sanctions. Now, is that enough? Is that enough? Is the pressure that Putin will feel from his own people enough to make him change course? What about the swift banking system? What the heck is that? Let's listen.
0: Something called the SWIFT system, which is an important part of making payments across borders, has been suggested as something that should be essentially turned off for Russia as a way to impose financial pain for the country. But as of right now, Russia has not been cut off from SWIFT. People are wondering, if you want to impose as much financial pain on Russia as possible, why didn't they get banned from SWIFT? So we'll explain what SWIFT is and why russia may not have been cut off from it let's start with what swift is swift stands for society for worldwide interbank financial telecommunication it is headquartered in belgium and was conceived in 1973 by 239 banks from 15 different countries around the world to specifically address communications about cross-border payments the swift system does not actually transfer funds but rather it transfers messages between financial institutions about where the funds are being transferred. Why is that so important? It really comes down to just keeping track of payments. The information about the funds being transferred helps the sending institution tell the receiving institution what account the money is supposed to end up in. And if you are processing hundreds or even thousands of international payments per day, Making this as easy as possible is better for a global economy to function smoothly and
2: efficiently. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, dude. I mean, I think it's a way for countries to keep track of money moving around. I mean, just say that, man. Good grief. So why hasn't Russia been totally banned? He goes on to say cutting Russia off means money doesn't move into or out of Russia. That affects or at least the the messages not the actual money, but the messages of how the money moves, as he explained, doesn't move in and out of Russia. So cutting Russia off means it will affect the export of wheat and energy. How do you sell wheat and energy out of Russia and Ukraine, for that matter, if you're cut off from banking? And we're already seeing the effect on energy prices without cutting them off from SWIFT. I don't think they've been completely cut off or cut off at all from SWIFT. I'm not 100% sure. Up to date, up to date, things change so quickly. I can't keep track of everything. But as of right now, March 8th, I don't think they've been completely cut off from the SWIFT banking system. So again, it's not an easy decision because what affects Russia affects everybody. So the next thing that you keep hearing about is the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. What the heck is the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Well, The Nord Stream 2 pipeline is a pipeline built under the Baltic Sea directly from Russia to Germany. It's a pipeline that was built to carry natural gas directly from Russia straight to Germany. Construction on the pipeline started back in 2019. The construction is complete. The natural gas is ready to flow, but Germany has halted giving approval for the pipeline ever since Russian troops entered eastern Ukraine. So no natural gas is flowing through the pipeline as of yet. That's important to know because I wasn't clear on that. I learned that. I thought there was oil or something flowing through the pipeline and Russia could cut it off. Or Germany could say, hey, we're not going to buy any more of that from you. But apparently it doesn't appear Germany was buying anything From Russia through that particular pipeline, the Nord Stream 2. There's another pipeline, of course, if there's a two, there must be a one, right? So there's another pipeline, Nord Stream 1, that I believe is flowing, that hasn't been cut off. Maybe it has. Maybe Germany's cut that one off as Biden cut off buying oil from Russia today. But the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, in the way it's been talked about as using it to leverage Putin and stopping the invasion, is by saying, hey... You're not going to get that Nord Stream 2 pipeline. In other words, you're not going to be able to sell your natural gas to Germany if you keep that up. Okay? So that's the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Pipeline runs directly from Russia to Germany under the Baltic to sell natural gas to Europe. Oh, I should say, back when the pipeline was first conceived and was going to be built, a lot of people weren't happy about it. Ukraine wasn't happy about it, but the U.S. wasn't happy about it either and threatened sanctions- on European countries involved in the deal because the fear was it would make Germany and Europe too dependent on Russia oil, Russia natural gas, I guess, and also because the US wanted to sell natural gas to Europe. So since the invasion has started, Biden has placed sanctions on the Russian company that builds and operates the pipeline. I don't want to get too into the weeds on this complicated stuff, partly because I don't understand it, but again, from what I can see, I presume Russia wasn't really making money on the pipeline yet. So I don't know if talking about cutting it off is as much of a punishment as I initially thought it was. And the media, to me, seemed like they were making it out to be. Oh, if you cut off that Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That'll really hurt Russia. Well, not if they weren't making any money on it to begin with. So are we right back where we started? What do we do? What do we do if the sanctions aren't going to work, at least not work fast enough? If we're not going to cut them off from the swift banking, if they're not really going to get hurt all that much by the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and we will get hurt just as much in, a, in the cost of higher energy prices and people freezing to death because they can't get energy from Russia, people freezing to death in Europe. What do we do? Has Putin written a blueprint for any madman in the world who wants to invade another sovereign country? Has he written a blueprint? Hey, this is how you do it. This is how you get away with it. For Kim Jong-un, for Xi in in, in China, who wants to take Taiwan. For Kim Jong-un in North Korea, who wants to take South Korea. Is Putin writing the blueprint? What have we learned? It's not too early to start talking about that. What have we learned from this? Well, I'll tell you what I've learned. I'll tell you what I've learned. It seems to me... The answer to what do we do is what we should have done. And what we should have done, and and this is hindsight, I'm not trying to sound like any expert here, this is hindsight, this is looking back at the situation, but it seems obvious to me, you cannot threaten to take someone, excuse me, let me start over. You cannot threaten to take things away from someone temporarily until you stop doing what you're doing. That doesn't work. The threat has to be, if you do this thing that I don't want you to do, there is no going back from it. That should have been the threat put to Putin. If you invade Ukraine, you will be cut off from SWIFT forever. If you invade Ukraine, you will never get that Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Ever. It's done. It's not you invade and then you come up with a ceasefire and then you negotiate And you stop, and then everything goes back to normal. The sanctions are lifted. The oil starts flowing again. No. What punishment is that? What punishment is that? You shut down a pipeline for a couple of months, maybe? That's an easy decision for Putin. No. What you have to do is you have to say, if you take this step forward, there is no going back. There is no going back for you. It doesn't go back to normal relations with the worldwide community once you take this step because Putin went into it knowing, okay, they're going to do this. They're going to do a, they're going to do B they're going to do C and they'll do it as long as I'm doing what I'm doing. But once I stop doing what I'm doing, everything will go back to normal. What kind of punishment is that? Think about the companies people want oh, stop doing business in Russia. It's good. That's fine. Companies announcing, yeah, hey, we're not going to do business with Russia anymore. I think shell oil, announcing, we're not going to do business with Russia. We're not going to sell Russian oil, liquor stores. We're not going to sell Russian vodka. It's great, but it has to be forever. It can't be until you stop doing what you're doing. It has to be forever. That has to be the understanding. It has to be forever. You cannot put this psychopath in a timeout. Timeouts don't work. Do they work with kids? When you put your kid in a timeout, do they never go back to doing what they were doing before? No, of course not. They go right back to it. You got to put them in timeout again. And you got to put them in timeout again. And You got to put them in timeout again. Doesn't solve anything. So you can't do the equivalent to Putin putting him in timeout until he stops the bad behavior and then go back to business as usual because he hasn't been hurt. He hasn't been punished. The oligarchs that they keep talking about, they haven't been hurt. They haven't been punished. If business goes back to usual, especially, especially If he gets something out of the deal, if he gets Eastern Ukraine, if he gets Crimea. And don't be so surprised if he does, because I can kind of hear the conversations now with Zelensky. Zelensky, I'm not negotiating. I'm not giving up nothing. This is Ukraine. These are our people. This is our land. Well, come on. Come on, Zelensky. You'll be saving a lot of lives. I mean, let's just go ahead and put this thing to an end you'll be saving lives isn't it be- isn't that better i mean he kind of already has crimea doesn't he and he kind of already has eastern ukraine doesn't he and don't the people in eastern ukraine kind of want to be with russia anyway eh, come on zelensky you'll be saving a lot of lives let's just end it that'll be the conversation with nato and europe and the us and zelensky And who knows? Zelensky will probably have to give in and say, yeah, I guess I got no choice here. I will be saving a lot of Ukrainian lives if I just end it and just give him those parts of our country. And I'm quite sure it'll break his heart to do it. It'll devastate him to do it. Devastate the Ukrainian people. But what's your choice? Without help from NATO, without help from Europe, are you kicking Putin out? Is that a reality? Are you kicking him out of Crimea? Are you kicking him out of eastern Ukraine? I've already talked about the dead man switch scenario by just taking Putin out. So what's your choice? So Putin wins. Putin wins. Unless the outcome for Putin is you take Ukraine if you want. You take that country if you want and try and hold on to it with those farmers busting your shoulders your in the head with shovels. You take it if you want, but you're done. You're done selling oil to the world. You're done selling natural gas to the world. You're done being part of the international community. We can figure it out. United States, Europe, the rest of the world, we can't figure out how not to do business with Russia? You kidding me? We can't figure that out? We're that dependent on Russia? California's got a bigger economy than Russia. We can't figure out how not to do business with Russia? Of course we can. If we want to, maybe we'll pay a little bit more in the interim. But we can figure out how not to deal with Russia. And so that has to be the understanding from Putin. Keep going if you want. Take this country if you want. But you're done permanently, not temporarily, permanently. To me, that's the solution. That's the only solution. And let me be as clear as possible. I don't have any other information than you have. I'm just thinking that's what I can come up with. If I put my brain matter to it, my gray matter, my brain, whatever it is, to it. That's what I come up with as a solution. But I don't I don't know a whole lot about the situation. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know the backroom conversations going on. Oh, and by the way, I should say thank you to people on Twitter who responded to what I just thought was just a kind of a throwaway question I wasn't really expecting a response to. But man, did I get a response on Twitter when I asked about the whole people sharing Uh, messages via restaurant reviews in Ukraine. I think it was either the AP or Reuters put up a headline about that. And I said, boy, I don't understand what they're talking about there. And I just got a flood. And I do mean a flood of responses from people saying this is what it means. People are going into restaurant reviews and getting information out that way because they can't get it out normal channels. Putin has cut off their communication with the rest of the world. And so they go into restaurant review websites and they type in, hey, this is what's going on here in Ukraine. So thank you to the flood of people who answered that question for me. I put it out on Twitter sometime last week. As of yesterday, I was still getting answers to that question. So thank you. I got it. Thank you. But it does, once again, put things into perspective, things that we take for granted. And I've heard people calling into radio shows. It's amazing. But I've heard people calling into radio shows asking the question, why should we care about what's going on over there? Asking the host of the show, why are you talking about Ukraine so much? But again, people need to listen, get that perspective. If you talk about freedom so much, listen to what it feels like when you're really not free. And you'll understand why it matters. And I don't want to beat up on anybody here. And I've purposely not really talked about the GOP and Putin and Russia and Trump and Putin and Russia and Tucker Carlson and Putin and Russia. I know people want to hammer away at that, but I just don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's just so basically obvious to me. I'll just say this in two seconds. It has nothing to do with Russia and Putin, and the GOP, and Tucker Carlson, and Putin, and Russia, it has to do with the fact that some people, some people on the right, some politicians, some media personalities on the right, I've said this before, they have a very limited playlist. A very limited playlist. I said, think of the artist Seal. Once he plays Kiss from a Rose, where do you go from there in concert, Seal? They have a very limited playlist. The playlist is immigration. There are caravans of rapists coming across the borders to sell you drugs and rape your daughters. They have guns. They're trying to take away our guns. And they got patriotism and freedom. They're trying to take away our freedom. That's it. That's the playlist. And so everything relates to that playlist. And so when a situation in Ukraine comes up, it, co- it gets related to the playlist immigration borders. Why are we worrying about their borders? Let's support. Let's secure our own borders. That's all. It's just the same playlist over and over and over and over again. That's all it is. So I see no reason to get myself worked up over it. When I see what they're obviously doing, I just don't know why more people who listen to it don't see what they're doing, because they're picking your pockets as they're doing it. Send me money. Send me money. To stop these immigrants from coming across the border. Send me money so I get elected so they don't take away your gun. I heard Joe Biden in State of the Union talk about a ghost gun. A ghost gun? What the heck is that? Now that's something new? I got to worry about a ghost gun? A gun you can order online, haven't mailed to your house in parts, it has no serial number, and you put it together? Are we going to ban that? Listen, I guarantee you it will be a fight to ban that a gun. You can get in the mail, put it together, and it has no serial number. It will be a battle royal to try and ban that. And you're worried about somebody taking away your gun. But they play that same song over and over again come election time and people go for it. I don't know. I don't know. The left doesn't help because the right lurches far right and the left lurches far left. You know, I think we should settle with these illegal immigrants who brought their kids to the border and got separated. I think we should give them 18 trillion dollars. What? What are you talking about, Joe Biden? You know, when I first heard the story about undocumented people who came to the border with children getting separated, the U.S. government was going to pay them millions of dollars. I I said, well, that's obviously a fake story. But then I found out not as fake as I thought it was. So the left certainly doesn't help. They go pretty far left Just as far as the right goes right, the left will go left. Nah, I'm not going to get off. I'm not going to get caught up. Let's let's keep let's keep let's keep on track here. Let me just wrap up because I wanted to focus mainly on Ukraine. Give people a break from all the other nonsense. I mean, the State of the Union, honestly, I don't have very much to say about Joe Biden's State of the Union speech. Full disclosure, I turned it off after 10 minutes. I just couldn't take the standing ovations after every sentence. If Biden said the date, they gave him a standing ovation. So I turned it off and I said, I'll just record it and I'll watch it later. I'll go back to it and I'll watch it later. I've made it through about half so far. Wait, hey, by the way, did Alexandria, am I tan or is this my natural skin color, Ocasio Cortez, look good or what? Va, 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 the camera went to her at one point during the speech and I said, whoa. Look at Alexandria Lucy Lou, Ocasio-Cortez looking good. And listen, that's not a I've been working all day and came to the State of the Union or even I worked all day, went home, took a shower and came back to the State of the Union. No, that's a I spent the entire day in a salon getting a complete makeover just for the 10 seconds. I know the camera is going to be on me at the State of the Union. Now, I don't know what that says about her, but I'm starting a rumor that it says something. It says something. She really got herself made up for that State of the Union, knowing she was going to be on camera. And nobody steal that Lucy Lou thing from me. I'm thinking about making a movie about Alexandria. I'm Rachel Maddow's hall pass Ocasio-Cortez starring Lucy Lou. So nobody, nobody steal that. Then you got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert.
1: A lot. A lot.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
2: These gals certainly do not miss an opportunity to remind us they got into Congress somehow. just (laughs) So all in all, what I saw was fine. Biden was strong and firm on Ukraine. He said some things that he needed to say about what had been done so far, about what had been accomplished. Usually presidents get a bump in the polls after the State of the Union. I don't know if Biden will or if he has. Let me look. Hang on. I'll be right back. Let me go look. Well, yeah, look at this. It says, according to NB, NPR PBS Marist poll, he went from 39 percent to 47 percent, up eight points, largely due to Democrats and independents. So, OK, what up strong with Democrats and independents? But also most polls show over 70 percent of the general public had a positive reaction to what he had to say at the State of the Union. So that's good. He needed that. He got a TV rating of about 38 million viewers, of which Fox News was number one with 7 million viewers. That's interesting. Between the cable and broadcast networks, broadcast networks being, of course, ABC, CBS uh, and the cable networks, MSNBC came in last with 4 million viewers. I thought MSNBC was supposed to be the Biden love channel. That's weird. They got beat by CNN, ABC and CBS. I don't know, maybe if you combine MSNBC and NBC, the broadcast network NBC, maybe that's why. Anywho, it was a decent number, but lower than Trump, Obama, Clinton, and Bush. First State of the Union speeches, Trump and Clinton got 45 million viewers, Obama 48 million viewers, and Bush got 51 million viewers. That, of course, had a lot to do with 9-11 because W. Bush's first State of the Union was right after 9-11. Not right after, but you know what I mean, months later. So I may try to watch the rest of the speech. It's just tough with all the unnecessary applause breaks. I I don't know why they feel the need to do that. I mean, Biden's not even saying anything different than what he said in the past. And, you know, non-stated-union speeches, but he says it there. They got to jump out of their seats. But I'll try to watch it. It's all just distracting with Mickey Work sitting right behind Biden. Why is Mickey Work there? That was Nancy Pelosi? Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was interesting. Hopefully it was informative. That's what I try to do. A little interesting, a little informative, a little comedy for you, a little bit of everything. From hopefully a different perspective than you get other places. That's all I'm trying to do here. If you enjoyed it, please share it. People certainly shared the last week's show. Woo! People certainly shared that show. Thank you. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'm not saying I'm the best in the world at this, but I try and listen to other shows and I have no criticism of anyone. Everyone is great. But everyone has a point of view and I'm just hoping to find someone out there that is not either totally left, totally right. That's all. So I think it's important if we can get more shows like this, I hopefully I'm being more in the middle than just left or just right. And you have to give it a few shows. There may be one show where I sound like I'm totally left all the time and one show where I sound like I'm totally right all the time. So you have to give it a couple of shows. But if there are more shows that become popular like that, because everyone wants that, everyone wants less negativity, Everyone wants less division, but if shows that give you that aren't popular, then we won't get it. We'll get what we've been getting because that's what people are given their time to. So I'm trying, and I'll keep trying, as long as you keep encouraging me to try, and people have been. So I appreciate it. Please go to the website, www.thecomparisongroup.com find other episodes, but preferably please go to Apple podcast, Amazon music, Google podcast, Spotify, listen there, subscribe for free. Show, share the show on Facebook, share the show on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at comparison underscore show at comparison underscore show. Leave me your comments. Tell me what you agree with, what you disagree with. I'll answer it. I'll answer it. I swear I will. See you next time.